Let's pray together. God, I come before you and I'm thankful that we get to have breath in our lungs to worship you and to praise you. God, I'm thankful for truth and the power of scripture. God, I pray that for every person in this room right now, anybody watching or listening, that they would feel your presence seep into their heart, speak truth of encouragement, of love, of grace, of forgiveness, so that they would be able to walk closer with you and have a greater understanding of who you are. In Christ's name, amen. We all have limited breath in our lungs, and so I, I pray that at Chapel Point we always use that breath to praise and to worship, to magnify God for all that he has already done in our life. Can we agree to do that? All right. Can we agree to make sure that we're speaking that truth to other people, that we're not wasting our breath doing other things? We are walking into this series um, that really is allowing us to look at the stories of Christmas. And as we look at the stories of Christmas over the next several weeks, we get to talk a lot about hope. And, and part of my prayer is that over the next few weeks, you're going to think differently about hope. That we're going to have an expanded understanding, a, an expanded definition, idea, thought process when it comes to hope. Because when you really absorb the hope that God is talking about, it will force you, you won't have an option, it will force you to alter, to change, to transition, to be transformed in your life. And so we're going to be able to speak about that today. Um, here we are in Luke chapter 1. We're talking about this morning Zachariah and Elizabeth. And so I'd like to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Uh, Luke's the only one who tells this story. It's the foretelling of the birth of John the Baptist. Uh, right after he does the foretelling of John the Baptist, he then goes and we find him in the same chapter speaking to Mary, uh, it's the, the, uh, the angel Gabriel, and going and speaking to her about the foretelling of the birth of Jesus. But here we are in Luke chapter 1, the only place where we find this foretelling of John the Baptist to Zachariah and Elizabeth. You need to know um, Elizabeth was the daughter of Aaron, Zechariah uh, was a priest, and these were godly people. These are people who love the Lord, okay? Uh, we, we know that partly because it shows us in verse 6, it tells us, it says, And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. These were people who loved God. It says in verse 7, They had no child, though, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years, depending upon the... The translation that you're looking at, some of them actually refer to just Elizabeth being advanced in years. Um, men, I would recommend not referring to your wife in such a way. Um, hey, this is my wife. She's advanced in years. Um, I tried it just to see what would happen. Um, she stayed with her family in Kentucky. Um, no, I'm kidding. She's here. And, uh, you know, you look at it, the description here of, yes, they're older in life. But don't get caught up with that because I, I would love to end my life one day as being considered the same way, being righteous, being someone who was obedient to the statutes of the Lord, the commandments of God. And that's what we find with Zachariah and Elizabeth. These were people who loved the Lord. They cared for God. They, they wanted to do things right. 
And when we are able to walk through this passage, um, I'm going to jump into verse 11 in a moment. I want you to know it's going to reference the burning of incense. We know that there was always incense being burned in the temples to, to honor God and um, different priests were assigned that responsibility and they would cast lots to see who would then go and make sure that everything was okay. Um, Zechariah, it, it fell on him and so he is about to go into the temple and, and to make sure everything's good. Um, previously, we know that they had wanted children and now all of a sudden, here he is going into the temple and everything's, by the way, everything's about to change for him. Everything's about to shift. Right? He, he had continually, maybe you find yourself in this situation, continually and, and always praying for something to shift and for something to change. But because you've been praying about something for so long, you don't know if you actually have hope in it happening, but you know that you're supposed to be praying about it. Resonate with anybody? 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 Come on, at least eight of you. Come on, thank you. You all get extra Christmas gifts. Right? Like, wait, that's how we are in life. Sometimes we keep praying about something and praying about something, and all of a sudden things begin to change. Maybe um, you've been waiting for that loved one, and you want to be married, and you're not married, and so you've been praying and praying about it, and nothing's ever seeming to change. Or maybe you've, you've been sick, and you're wanting things to alter and to, to shift. Or maybe you're wanting a job, and you've been without a job now for a few months, and you don't know how you're going to continually pay bills. And you just keep praying and praying, but nothing ever seems to change. Um, in a way, I think that would have been Zachariah and Elizabeth. Being advanced in years, being barren, without child, that they would have been praying about this over and over and over again, but they don't ever see that change, that shift. And now, all of a sudden, things are about to just blow up. You ever heard that phrase, be careful what you pray for? Right? It's, it's my friend who, they had two kids. And she came to him and said, I really want us to, you know, can we please have one more child? And he said, no, I really don't want another child. They cost a lot of money. And, um, and literally, this was a conversation. This wasn't for me. I would never say something like that. Um, you're judging me right now. Right now. So uh, uh, he's going, I don't want to have another kid. And so after several months, he goes, okay, let's, we'll go one more kid. She had triplets. God is so funny. <laughs> like, I, I literally started laughing out loud. He's like, why are you laughing? I'm like, I'm just glad it's not me. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you've got to be careful what you pray for. And now here is this individual, who, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Here they are, advancing years, bearing without child, and everything's about to change. You may be thinking you're about to walk through just a ho-hum week, and God might step in and blow up everything. You're going to walk into the office tomorrow, and you might even be laid off. Or someone might walk up to you, and you've been praying for an opportunity to do what Pastor Luke preached about last week and to share your faith with that one person. And all of a sudden, they knock on your door, and they say, Can I, have, can I borrow your snow shovel? Mine broke. And you're going, Oh, here. Rather than saying, Yeah, but first, I'll let you have my snow shovel as long as you let me tell you something. God absolutely adores you, and he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Everything could change. And that's what's about to happen with Zachariah and Elizabeth. He goes into the temple, and we see this very thing in verse 11 and following, and you'll be able to see it on the screen. But hopefully you have the Word of God right there in front of you. You can open it up. Always grab a Bible if you don't have one. Take it with you if you need to. Um, this is what it says. It says, and there appeared to him. There he is, making sure incense is all taken care of. Everything's good, right? Everything's taken care of in the temple. And it says, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. 
And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Now, he was a lover of God, someone who, it says, was devoted, who was blameless. So don't give him a hard time. Yes, he, he's wigging out a little bit right now. It says that he had fear fell on him. Um, I can't tell you that I would be any different. So don't rib on him yet. Fear fell upon him, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Now, right away, I go back to the resurrection when the angel was there and saying, no, don't be afraid to the ladies who are coming to take care of the body of Jesus. Hopefully that resonates. Here it is again. Do not be afraid. It's that foreshadowing to me 33 years earlier. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Like right there, his, his response, he looked at the angel and he says, get out. Stop, really? Like you know this has to be internalized within him and going, wow, wait, wait, wait. Like I just, I was making sure the incense was good. All of a sudden I see an angel and like there's no small talk at all. It's just, boom, you're about to have a baby. Give me some small talk. Like warm me up a little bit. It says, you will have joy, this is verse 14, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And it just keeps going, it talks about what is really going to be unfolding before them. And as I said earlier, here he is, he's talking, and he's talking to Zechariah about what's going to be happening with the coming of his son, John. He gives him the name and everything else, and then we know, of course, later on, as I previously mentioned, he's then going to go to Mary and say, hey, this is what's going to happen for you, and you're going to give him the name Jesus. Both of these children are announced in advance by the angel Gabriel. Both of them. Both times the names are given. And both are miraculous births. One's to an older lady, one's to a virgin. And it's amazing to see how God sent his angel. I love that God sent his angel beforehand to predict these pregnancies rather than to see him coming after to explain them. And it just shows the power of God and what God is wanting to do. One of the things that we see here, there's, there's a pattern of hope that is woven through this that I think is a pattern that we see throughout life. And I've got some blanks here for you. I want you to fill these in real quick if you would. One of the very first things that we see happening is that we see that hope has been promised. Hope, has, hope was promised. We see that happening. That's the coming of the angel speaking to Zechariah, this priest who was devout, who was blameless with his wife, Elizabeth. And so we see this promise. And then the response of some of that is not only was hope promised, then we see hope being questioned. And maybe that's where you fall in life. That's the second part of it. A lot of times we then question it. Wait, wait. You, you think that God wants to do something great with me. You think God wants to use me to proclaim his goodness, to grow his kingdom. And so we begin to question it because we don't see how that's possible. And that's what Zacharias did. He began to question it. 
In verse 18, he says, Zachariah said to the angel in response to all of this, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Here it comes again. My wife's old. And the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So we find this hope that was being promised. And now we discover hope that was questioned. Hope questioned. Not being able to wrap his mind around everything that he was hearing. He wants to know, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man now, my wife is also. She is well along in her years. He lost sight of who God was for a moment. He was a dedicated man of God. And even though he was a dedicated man of God, he wanted to know how. How is this possible? How is this possible? Of course, the response of the angel to this is, hey, listen, you question if I speak for God, and so now you're no longer going to be able to speak. He looks at him and he says, I tell you what, so that you know that God can bring babies when babies can't be brought, and that God can bring life to the lifeless and hope to the hopeless, you're not going to talk, to, talk for a while. God can close your mouth. God can open her womb. Don't get lost. And make sure you stay focused on who God is and what he can really accomplish. You see, God is all about miracles, isn't he? God is all about miracles. That, when we walk through the Christmas season, we're certainly reminded of that. And the miracle birth of Christ Jesus, the Son of God himself. And we are reminded that God is all about miracles. God is wanting to continually do miracles. One of the things that we say often here is that God is still a God of miracles. That has not ceased. I think that story of transformation this morning with Wanda is an example of that. Having both lungs replaced and then three days later coding out and them going, this isn't going to last. And here she is five years later and with every breath in her lungs she is giving praise to God. You see, often, our first response, and maybe you can relate to this. This is why I say don't give Zachariah a hard time. I think a lot of times our first response isn't belief. I think sometimes our first response is questioning. Our first response in life should be prayer, right? And it should be believing in who God is and calling out his name. But often, our first response is questioning how. How is this possible? Sometimes our first response is doubt rather than belief. And what I'd like to encourage you to do is, I would like to encourage you to let faith lead the doubt, meaning this. I think sometimes we're going to naturally have questions. I don't think that Zachariah was an ungodly person for going even how. Like, how is this possible? But I think the angel was reminding him, you need to remember that God is still God. God's going to do what he has promised to do. Get ready and have faith, have belief, and allow God to work in your life. He was reminding everybody around Zechariah of the authority and the power of God. 
And I do think that sometimes we're going to have questions and we're going to doubt. But can I encourage you to let your faith, to let your belief lead the questions. Lead that in your life. You're following me, right? Believe first. Have faith first. You know, for some of us, the lack of knowing how something's possible, it keeps us from experiencing the hope that is possible with God. Well, as this story continues and it goes down this road, um, it's interesting because all of a sudden, we know that the fear fell on him. He doubted. He can no longer speak. And so he responds to the angel, verse 18, how can I know this? And all of these things are unfolding. And then all of a sudden, what we see is this. It says, the people, in verse 21, the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. He should have already been home. He should have already been home, right? And they were wondering about this delay. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. We already know that only uh, the priest could have gone to where he was. Not everybody could have gone into that area. And so here he comes, and they're going, what's happening? And he's unable to speak. And so they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them, and he remained mute. I love this. He's like doing charades to try to act out what just happened. Right? He's like, and they're like, okay, pregnant. You know, like, and they, I, I don't I can only imagine how this could have actually unfolded. And so here he is doing this, and he's going, okay, here, here's making signs to them. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his house, to his home. We know that these are the days his wife Elizabeth conceived. For five months, she kept hidden. And as we're looking at all of this, she then says, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And she's speaking about even Mary's faith because now it jumps in to the angel coming to Mary and, and saying, You're going to have a child. So here is this hope that is questioned. But then not only was her hope questioned, if you skip over to verse 57, you have hope that was realized. You have hope that was realized. It tells us very clearly. It says, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah, but his father... Uh, after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. All of a sudden, hope is realized. When, when did you recognize and realize hope in your own life? Like, when was that for you? Do you recognize that even today that God is a God of hope? Are you living in hope today, or are you living in doubt? Are you living in the, how is this possible? Are you living in, I know this is possible, even though I don't understand it? Where are you in life? When, do you, when did you realize the hope of God in your life and what he could do in your life? They discovered hope here and not understanding they found hope. 
in despair, not having a kid, Elizabeth found hope. John Piper says of this text, he says, John was born to an aged woman. Jesus was born to a virgin. John was given a name which means God is gracious. Jesus was given a name which means Savior. John was to prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus is the Lord who would reign forever. And we recognize the hope of God. Even in the midst of confusion and despair, right? There is hope. Often we only seem to have hope, right? And hope isn't wishful thinking, right? We've spoken about this numerous times. Hope is not just wishful thinking. Hope is certainty in who God is. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And so are you living in hope? You see, when you live in hope, it changes the way you walk through the difficulty. It means belief leads the way for even the questions. It means belief leads the way for even the doubt in your life. That's what it is to have hope, to understand that hope is God and that God has given us the hope of Jesus Christ. And now here he steps into this picture and they were encountering hope. That first Peter 1 verse 3 says that we've been born into a new to a living hope. Romans 15, 13, it says, May the, hope, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What would it look like for us to overflow with hope? To even, you know, hope is associated with things like joy and peace and love. And now it says, so that you may overflow with it. That you may overflow so that you, it just, it'll come out of you no matter what. Is your life overflowing with hope? Or is your hope limited by your questions rather than your questions being led by your hope and your faith and your belief? What would it look like for us to, to live lives that were overflowing with hope and gratitude for who God is? I just want you to process that for a little bit. Because if your life is overflowing with anything, guess what? The people around you, they see that. They recognize that. They go, wow, look at, look at, that, look at that guy. I'm encouraging you to let your faith lead the... Lead the doubt because Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 6.19 says that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. That's why I brought this little baby. I, I've got, I, I took this off of my John boat that's four feet long. Um, that's a big anchor, isn't it? And it's for a big boat, and you've got to have this type of anchor because it's got to be able to hold that in place. I, th- I think when I look at the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, I always have to start asking myself, man, they learned a lot about the hope of God in the midst of this story of being old and barren without child. Even though they were dedicated to the Lord, they still didn't have the type of belief that they needed to have. They needed to grow in their faith, needed to grow in their belief, even in the midst of asking questions. And they discovered this hope that I think changed their life. 
One, not simply by having a child, but I think it changed the way that they live life from that moment forward. And it's because they found hope that was so foundational for them. They took hold of the anchor of hope that God was promising them. In fact, that's my question for you. Are you taking hold of that type of anchor of hope? Are you taking hold of it and saying, I know the foundation of God Almighty. I know what he's doing in my life, and I'm going to take hold of it no matter what, and I'm not going to release it? Are you taking hold of the anchor of hope that, that Zachariah and Elizabeth needed to, to, to take hold of? Is that, what, is that what's happening in your life? Belief in the midst of confusion, in the midst of the storm. Take hold of the hope of God. In fact, some of us are going, well, Joel, you don't understand. I'm walking through a hard test right now, and it's hard to have hope. Well, sometimes I think we need to walk through a test. We need to walk through some struggles in order to come out of the storm stronger. You see, hope is what allows our unbelief to be temporary. That's what it does. Do you have that type of hope in your life? I think this story... um, I I resonate with it so much. Because I think the church is full of people who, who love God, who are well-intentioned, just like Zechariah. Zechariah would have been the one here at 6.30, I'm convinced, making sure everything was ready. All right? Shoveling the snow. Making sure that all the lights were right and the sound was good and Everything's, everything's where it needs to be. And yet even though he was that individual, there is still something in his life that created at least a sliver of unbelief in what God could do. What do you believe that God is incapable of doing in your life? What do you think that God is incapable of doing within this church? You see, I, I know that their lives change because all of a sudden what we find in Luke 164 and following, all of a sudden there is this celebration. Hope began to be celebrated. It says, instantly Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. All fell upon the the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. This is what I imagine, okay? And just leave, leave this up there, if you would, this passage. This is what I imagine. I love the fact that it says the entire neighborhood. I imagine this taking place for us today, that all of a sudden we begin to praise God because we step fully into the hope of God, and as a result... All would fill the entire neighborhood. Someone comes to know the Lord, and you can't help but to go to every single neighbor you have, knock on their door and say, I've got to tell you about what God did for me. Why shouldn't that be us? 
Why shouldn't that be us? Everyone who heard it says about it, they reflected on these events and they asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Hope means we accept who God has called us to be and we live in it. In fact, this is what it does. When you really live in the hope of God, all of a sudden that means you live according to what he says you are. It says that, it says, beatitude, uh, Sermon on the Mount. It says we are to be the salt of the earth. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Are you being that city on a hill? Are you being that salt of the earth? Living in hope means that we embrace everything that God has called us to. When you say, I'm going to take hold of the anchor of hope of God, of Jesus in my own life, all of a sudden your life begins to change because if you claim to live in hope, that means you're now living according to what God has designed you for. Hope is a powerful weapon for the believer that has tremendous impact. And I know that sometimes we get tired, we hit places of fatigue, but knowing and being reminded of hope inspires us. When you live in hope, you expect God to do more in your own life. In fact, I, I sent a text out a couple days ago to our elders, and I just simply asked the question or presented it, can we expect God to do more with Chapel Point if we don't know and don't live in the hope of God wanting to do more in our own lives? I can't expect God to do more with Chapel Point if I don't live in the hope of God doing more in me. See, when I ground myself in the hope of the living God, all of a sudden my life begins to look really different. All of a sudden I start to look at things differently and all of a sudden I want to do things differently. I don't want to live the daily life of going, you know what, I'm going to go to the temple, I'm going to light the incense, I'm going to do my thing, then I'm going to go back home and as long as the lot, you know, the lot cast on me, and I'm, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing over and over. I don't think that's what God has in store. I think God is saying, I want to change the world through you. God doesn't have to use you, but he chooses to use you. I, I think about being one of the religious people. One of the, the religious people, one of the Pharisees. And I go, man, I, I want to make them squirm because they think that they can define how God works. Maybe Zechariah thought he could define how God would work and what God could and could not do. And he was reminded of the supernatural, miraculous power of the creator of the universe. Maybe you need to be reminded of the power of God. Christmas can be hard for people. We, we know that many, we've all experienced loss. And so for some, it can be a hard time. And we allow the loss of the life that we've had previously to define and limit the joy we have moving forward. And so this year you go, you know, I can't do that. I can grieve and I can mourn, but the joy will always outweigh the mourning. Amen. And we start to make different decisions because we have an, an anchor of hope that we're taking hold of. When you live according to that anchor of hope that is God... You recognize that hope is what God has done for you, 
but hope is also what God desires to do with you. Zachariah and Elizabeth certainly recognized that, that God wanted to do more with them, and he said, here's a child. You're going to name him John, and he's going to prepare the way of the Lord, my son. When you live according to the anchor of hope, you recognize that God, God has more for you. few years ago, two and a half years ago, something like that, two years ago, we started a campaign called More. It was a race of money so that we could build this facility, and God has certainly blessed. Um, I think I've recognized lately that um, that our understanding of more has been way too small. What would it look like to be a church that was so anchored in the hope of God that we had individuals going, I know that if I live according to the hope of God, he's always going to have more for me in the kingdom. And so what if we had a, a movement where all of a sudden some of you go, you know what, I'm called to be a missionary. I'm going to go on the field. Or some of you go, you know what, I'm called to be a pastor. So I'm going to go to school. I'm going to be a pastor. What if some of you, instead of praying only that you get to share your faith one day, that you make a commitment that by Christmas morning, you're going to share your faith with every one of your neighbors? What if all of a sudden you agreed to foster a child who needs to be loved on and cared for? Something this church does so well. You heard from Lee and Julie Horning not long ago they're starting a ministry for veterans with, that are struggling with PTSD and other things. And they're reaching out. They're going to make sure it happens. What if you want to recommit your business? What if this church was comprised of people who want to recommit their business to give people second chances? Just like Jimmy Erickson spoke about. You see, when you live anchored in the hope of God... You live in the realization that God can always do more. It means that you commit to more. Maybe some of you are going to commit to recovering from the addiction that you have right now. And you're going to say, you know what, after this service, I'm going to go to the prayer room and I'm going to ask for help. It might be an addiction to pornography or to alcohol or to anything else. It doesn't matter. And you go, no more. I'm going to commit to this because God has committed to me, his son, Jesus Christ. That's hope. Two weeks ago, I spoke about giving, and next week, you get to come back, and, and you're going to be able to bring together a card, and it doesn't ask for a name, and it just asks for a couple of numbers. Like, what are you willing to do financially so that we can continually move forward? Pastor Nathan, you referenced it earlier. God has plans for this place well beyond 49426 to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've gotten two emails in the last week just people asking, will your church help us somehow? We keep hearing about what's going on and we want a taste of it. And, and my first thought, and I'm, I've had to repent of this, was I'm busy. Wow. That's jacked up. 
What if we had a church full of people who are willing to do anything necessary? I think about the Steve Nichols who every Monday he goes to the hospital to rock babies. And I know he's praying over every one of those babies that they come to know Jesus Christ. What if we had a church full of people who were willing to share their faith no matter what, that every one of you says, you know what, next week I'm bringing a friend to church. Now, if you all do that, all of you have to stand outside. But what if, what if, we, what if we lived in the hope of God in such a radical way? I recently was told a story about a young family. They said uh, they were 30 years old, roughly, and they said they've been married for six years. They've been saving their six years to buy their first house, and they had saved $85,000. Isn't that awesome? Woohoo! And they came uh, to their pastor, and they said, um, I know that this sounds good, but we've been praying, and we think God wants us to give every penny of it to missions. And the pastor actually looked at them and said, that means you're not going to get a house, right? And they looked at the pastor and said, but you told us we should sacrifice everything. Are we putting a lid on what God could do with us? Have you taken the hope of God and you've put it inside of something you put a big lid on it so that you could contain it when God is going open up the lid and let me do something radical let me do something astonishing that will make people scratch their heads some of you need to recognize and to live in the, the hope of God by saying no to committing suicide this week Say no, you're worth more, you're a child of God. Hear me say it, you're a child of God. Some of you simply need to live in hope. Will you live in hope? Will you live in belief? And will you live in his power? God, I come before you and I give you thanks. As we have friends in this place who need to live in the fullness of the hope of God. To use their businesses for you, to use their practice of, practice of medicine for you, to leave and to use their finances for you. We have people who probably you're stirring in their hearts and you're calling them to even maybe a new occupation. And they're scared and they don't know if they should have that type of faith or not. God, do a radical work in this place. Do a radical work in this place. In Christ's name. We are asking you next week to, to bring forward a card. And it looks just like this. They're at guest services if you didn't get one. And there's only two little lines there. Um, I'm so glad they left this little white space, blank space, just for me. And I'm going to ask very simply. Some of you are already turning these cards in, which is fantastic. Thank you for doing that. Um, maybe you need to write what else God is calling you to. 
God is calling you to do this. God is calling you to do this because you live in the hope, that anchor that is in your soul. Firm and secure. And then you simply need to ask, will you respond? Will you respond? Would you stand with us and sing to God?